From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 503. Today's show is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens and Topofolio. Tell you about those a little later on in the show. My mm-hmm. name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad. Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm good. You wanted to get in there. You have something to say? <laughs> no, I was having an inside you joke wanted, in my you head. You want to do the intro now, or what? No, no, I was, I was having an inside joke in my head, and I okay. started giggling to myself at my stupid inside joke. Would you like about, to share it with the rest of the class? Well, it was something related to, well, we can only, like, cook and eat one of those things in the, you know, the our fun advertisers for today, and it, it, it it's not going to land this way. It's it not was only landing. in my head. This Mm-mm. is... It was really good in my head at the yeah. time, uh-huh. and now, like, you've ruined it for me, me? and everybody else. Mm-hmm. I don't think I... I don't think I have to blame you, buddy. <laughs> you know, if you got to make your jokes, just use the mm-hmm. mute switch. You know. <laughs> yeah, I don't have one of those. Oh, really? Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> you get me live all the time. Oh, sure, live, mm-hmm. very live, Brad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my my Hobonichi planner has been very live for 2022, Mike. I wanted to give an update on that, if if that's all right. Yes, please. Uh, as as things go, so I um. As we talked about at the beginning of the year, I switched up my planner style for 2022, and I'm using the Hobonichi Cousin, the A5 size, which is, for all intents and purposes, one page a day, right? It's mm-hmm. a one page a day uh, planner, and that's a little bit bigger than what I had been doing. I've been basically doing two page per week planner, you know, days on the left side, notes on the right side type of thing. So I was anxious to... Give this a go. I did a little recap at the end of January for Panatic members. I like looked back at my my month, wrote down like all the products I use. I track all the products like the pens I use every day in there. Did like a little count of what pens and inks and all that stuff. Um, and then uh, February <laughs> ended up flying by. Um, we're already into March as we're recording right now. And I still, I was very consistent throughout February. Like I haven't missed a day yet, even weekends, even if I write just a little bit, right? I'm just doing a little bit of writing maybe on the weekends that, you know, I'll track some things. But I've been very pleased with myself. I'm patting myself on the back here that it's kind of integrated itself as I hoped, right? I don't, when you change like the way you use a planner, like I wouldn't sit down every day necessarily and do my planner. So I was a little bit worried about committing to this every day thing. And I'm pleased that it's just integrated, right? It's what I do and it's been easier. I don't have to like set a reminder to fill out your planner, right? You know, silly things like that. It just kind of works for me you know Mm -hmm. so far again we're only two months into the year things could change drastically later but the way things are going right now i don't see them changing because it's just a very good experience i use the planner more the day after to recap the previous day right so like today I'll write down a bunch of stuff about yesterday on yesterday's day, if that makes sense. Right. So, I'll okay, have a little so sketch. You reflect, but a little bit. Like it's a little bit of combo. So like the way the 
um, cousin is set up, there's a little time section, like a little 24 hour block in there. Actually, I don't think the dailies are 24 hours, say like 18 hour block. So I'll go in during the day and kind of fill out my day, right? I'll kind of block off, hey, these are the things I need to do today. This is around the time mm-hmm. I need to do that. Um, I can write down like what pen and ink I'm using. And then if, unless I have like something very particular I want to write down in the notes, I'll usually go back the following day, say, hey, I'll look at these things on my schedule and I'll kind of recap how they went, yeah. right? So whatever I had written down to work on, I'll then later have this kind of note somewhat tied to it, somewhat more generic on the right-hand side of the page and just write as much as I feel about the right. day and then just add in different notes about you know how, how it went. So it's not necessarily active throughout the day. It's active in the morning and then I'll kind of flip back to the previous day and yeah, like you're saying, like kind of recap um, how things went. And so you're using like what the A5 cousin, right? Right. Okay. It's an all-in-one, this is an all-in-one book for a full year. There's a different uh, one called the Avec, I believe, that's split yeah. into six months and six months for just, you know, a little bit of different Is different it in English carry. or Japanese? It's in Japanese. Okay. They but don't like, make I've never version, once, huh? not of this model, no. But not, I have never once, once needed anything. Like, all I see is the, the day dates and, days and dates and months and days of the week. Like, there's no... You don't really need an English version for that, right? But they're in English, right? The, yeah. Yeah. yeah well. So like, like uh, I just flipped it open because uh, I had a piece of paper in here. It's right. uh, like I say, 226 Saturday, right? Okay. So Sat- there is S-A-T. some, but mm-hmm. everything else is Everything else is in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I used one of these back in the day. I think this is mm-hmm. what I had, which helped me end up developing mm-hmm. what I wanted for the theme system. Right. 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 Because I remember it was small. I remember there was a lot of Japanese text at the bottom, which mm-hmm, I assume mm-hmm. is some kind of information or inspiration quote type dealios going on on the bottom there. Um, yep. Is there anything that you think that is specific to the Tetro Cousin that is making this experience such a positive one? The layout. I'm I'm a layout person. Okay. Right. If I don't have either the enjoyment or the freedom or the structure, like I'm, I'm using freedom and structure in the same, in the same category, because I, I do believe you get a little bit of both with this, but I don't have kind of all those things. And then on top of the quality of, you know, the paper and the construction and just like the neatness of the aesthetic, right. That I, that I like the Japanese design, which I prefer. It's definitely an all, the, it hits all the things for me. Right. But I, always will lean into structure right Mm -hmm. that's why i chose my previous journal i chose my previous layout the two page per week because that's how i was working at the time right so that comes first it's like i need this to give me some visual structure to my week Mm -hmm. right that's why i use an analog planner as opposed to a digital planner Um, even though those are visual as well this is a little bit different right and then i'm involved in this in a tactile sense so layout always comes first and you know i spent you know probably two years maybe a little more two years with the previous layout Mm -hmm. until the layout wasn't as good for me right i needed more so i looked around found what i thought was going to be a good layout for me took a shot with this honestly you know we don't know it's necessarily going to work like full time as a product 
And it turns out, like, just being able to research and read about all these things and see how people use these different products and looking at the structure and how other people use it, it, it fit, right? It fits how I visually want to see my days and weeks and months, number one. And then number two, it's a pleasure to use, right? So that's kind of my, my ranking on how I would pick out a planner, right? So there's, there's a lot of combinations. You can get one or the other that, you know, you could have a great layout and it'd be annoying to use, whether it's paper quality or construction quality right. or things like that. Or you can get just a beautifully constructed book, but the structure does not allow you to be your best you when you're using it on the daily, weekly basis right. that, that works for you. So, so far, this has fit what I wanted um, in, a, in a planner. And, you know, it wasn't, again, I talk about the ability to like look at these things over the long term before I, I make a purchase that goes for planners too and notebooks and just like it does for pens. You know, if I'm going to make it a expensive pen purchase, I rarely just start clicking buttons, right? I, I try to read research as much as I can to make sure I'm making the best decision for myself. And then you hope it works out. And so far the, the A5 cousin has, and uh, I, I don't see any reason that it's not going to continue for the rest of the year into the, into the next. So um, it, it's it's really working well. I enjoy it a lot. I'm able to use every type of pen and pencil with it. I'm not hesitating to use pen. I mean, to use like ballpoint pens or pencils in you know on a 52 GSM Tomoe River paper. Mm-hmm. Right. It's all been enjoyable. But of course, you know the fountain pens are great, and that's what I'm using a lot. But like, I, it doesn't keep me from using absolutely everything I have on my desk. And that was a, that was a goal as well. So nice. yeah, I'm uh two thumbs up definitely so far for the a five cousin. So I just wanted to give a little recap two months into it. And, um, I'm mostly like, I'm, I'm happy with myself that I've been able to keep this up because, you know, I've the weekly journal or the weekly planner is a, a little bit of a different commitment. It's more of a write in it once a week and then refer to it throughout the week, maybe jot a little bit different notes. So this is a little bit different um, process, uh, more daily and more, a little bit more commitment, but it's the right amount of structure that I need to, to actually have it be like a good product for myself. So very happy with it. Nice. Yep. Yep. Another update. Mike on a little bit different path, mm-hmm. but one that we've talked about before. So I wanted to follow up that we got a conclusion. We had success, or I should say Havoc Rose had success. Our friend Miranda um, got the Twitch stationary stream team tags approved. So yep. this is what we asked y'all to vote on on Twitch. Uh, Miranda made, uh, what do they call that section of Twitch? It's like it's like a user. It's like a petition. It's like a user really. improvement. Yeah, it's yeah. like a little petition thing. Yeah. So all we, all Miranda wanted, and all of us on the team wanted, was hey, when I stream about my stationery, I would like to be able to tag it stationery, so therefore other people on Twitch can search for stationery and find us. Yeah, and it took. Uh, this was sometime last year <laughs> she launched this originally. I think they get a lot of these requests. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. It's, yeah. a, it's a lot. But the amount of votes we got it, hopefully pushed it to 
someone in front of someone's eyeballs and said, oh, this is easy. Mm-hmm. We should do this. Maybe this is a growing community. We've certainly, you know, tried to to grow the community. And hey, we got the uh, stationary tag, the journaling tag, and the planners tag. So it was Great. really, really cool to see. It's awesome to get three. I didn't remember that. I yep. just remember journaling as being the main one. Yep. So Miranda requested three. And thanks to everyone uh, for going to vote on that when we asked you to and kind of push that up. Yep. The, the list a little bit and as of like late last week um everyone who voted got a little email that said hey I these did. tags have been approved yep. and so what do i do mike yesterday i go on stream yesterday for my first time since uh since we had this wonderful new feature and forgot to use it so of course you did, that Brad. was cool yeah it was cool yeah, and no, of course, it's good. That's the to right fig- way to treat yeah. it, really, you know. <laughs> and trying to figure that out live, trying to add them on the fly. Imagine how that went. That that oh, does disaster. not go well. <laughs> that stuff is so much harder to do on Twitch if you're doing it like in the Twitch system rather than in yeah. your streaming app. Yeah, um, it was yeah. so. At no point did I figure out how to add it. We just gave up, and so my next streams will have them added when I launch. Will it so. though? You know, it, like, it, it, uh, there yep. is the intention. There was the intention well, this time. You know, you, you know, it's like really got to wait and see. It's like once you get your hand slapped once, you you remember how that feels, mm-hmm. right? So you tend to 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 not repeat that action again. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm going to do it. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to put the appropriate like tags on there. Like hedging already. No, because so it was funny. Someone actually came in yesterday. Like I actually yesterday when I was streaming, we had several people, like multiple, two or three people say, OMG, you're streaming about pins on Twitch. I am so glad I found you. And yep. you're like, imagine if I tagged it, Mike, <laughs> imagine. One of the things I genuinely find so interesting about Twitch as a platform is that what you just described because there are people that discover this show every week Mm -hmm. better than you yeah yeah but we don't know that because like the numbers you can't really see the changes because they change for myriad reasons and multiples every single episode you know you might have like 10 more than last week a hundred less than last week a thousand more than two weeks like it just you know but with twitch it's like People, uh, they uh, they appear in the chat and then they say something. Mm-hmm. Like it's very normal to say something. And mm-hmm. something I really love that Twitch does now is if it's somebody's first time coming mm-hmm. to your channel, it actually mm-hmm. highlights that for you mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you're uh, like in uh, it does in the app that I use as well, like because it yes. has the embedded stream chat, and so that they don't have to say, "Hey." This is my first time checking it out. They could just come and ask a question or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh wow! Mm-hmm. Like you really see new people in a in mm-hmm. a unique way, and also like you know you get notifications about people following the channel. They're obviously new, so it's just it's interesting that the the instant feedback is so interesting. And what makes it even more funny to me really is like how much smaller the audiences are than mm-hmm. yeah. podcast audiences and stuff. But because yes. it is like real time it feels like a bigger impact so it's just it's just an interesting right. and thing there's about like and there's like a even though you're broadcasting in front of like in my case you know like a little over 100 people you're still having a one-to-one interaction right and you're allowed to have that and like that's a good feeling right mm-hmm. like that's a it's a comfortable type of setup right so it, it, it's it's pretty cool so i'm happy to you know be part of 
you know, like the stationary community on strip on, on Twitch, which I'll put the link into stationary brew, mm-hmm. which is an, a quick way for people new to Twitch to go follow a bunch of other stationary streamers. Um, we're all kind of in this, we're all kind of tagged in the same team stream team, which you don't have to worry about, but just know like people in that team stream about stationary a lot among, among other things. I hope you find some. Yep. So it's, it's really good. Um, we, ha- we have a lot of fun on Twitch, so it's, uh, I just want to, I'm not going to bring it up every show, but I like when we have something new and neat and successful like this. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I will put in the show notes links to, uh, Brad and my Twitch yep. channels as well. If you're interested in checking out Brad, obviously Brad does pen stuff. I do keyboard stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll put those in there if you do want to come and hang out at some point. All right. Should we take our first break? Yeah, let's. All right. This episode is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens. Uni is the world's number one pizza oven company. They make surprisingly small ovens powered by your choice of either wood, charcoal, or gas, letting you make restaurant-quality pizza in your own backyard. This is because Uni Pizza Ovens reach temperatures of up to 900 degrees Fahrenheit or 500 degrees Celsius. This is what gets you that excellent restaurant-quality pizza in as little as 60 seconds. That high temperature separates these ovens from those that you would have at home. It gives a vastly different taste and experience and everything is vastly better. But what's really awesome is that Uni Pizza Ovens are incredibly easy to use and really portable as well. They're going to fit into any outside space. Two of their coolest models is the multi-fueled Uni Karu. This can use wood, charcoal, or gas. Or the Uni Coda 16, which is a gas-powered oven that cooks up to 16-inch pizzas of an innovative L-shaped burner at the back. This gives you even heat distribution across the whole surface of the pizza. They also make a really great app to help you perfect your dough recipe and give loads of pizza-making tips. And Uni, they have so many accessories. They have peels, cutters, oven tables, thermometers, the whole nine yards. Uh, Brad Dowdy, I know that you're a big Uni pizza oven fan. Yeah, for sure. And it's pretty much Uni season here, right? So I didn't do it as much over the winter because you cook it outside. Um, you don't. I'm not going to bring it <laughs> inside to cook. And um, so just as we get into the spring and summertime, the weather warming up, we will be using this oven probably a couple of times a month which is which is a lot if you think about it for making pizzas and but it's so good it it actually it's one of those products that you don't think about until you you actually have one or start researching one it actually is fun to use and an enjoyment to use um and while you're you know you just get to make your own little custom pizzas and they're awesome (laughs) they like it cooks so well it does exactly what it says it's supposed to do it's impressive technology to be quite honest and uh the results could not be any better i mean it is it's some of the best pizza i've had and it's right here in my backyard Listeners of this show can get 10% off their purchase of an Uni Pizza Oven, which is up to $50 off an Uni Coda 16. Just go to uni.com and use the code PENADDICTFM22 at checkout. Uni Pizza Ovens are always in high demand. People just want to make the stuff at home. Why wouldn't they? So don't miss out. Go to uni.com, O-O-N-I.com, and use the code PENADDICTFM22 for 10% off. Uni Pizza Ovens are the best way to bring restaurant-quality pizza to your own backyard. Our thanks to Uni Pizza Ovens for the support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Mike, what you got here? I received my tactile turn, GT, the orange yes. and, and blue one, uh, the, mm-hmm. ver- the very Formula One 
not inspired by Formula One, but just motor racing yeah, in general. Classic moto racing. Yeah, the old like Ford GT colorway, the orange mm-hmm. and, and like the golf colorway, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, really like it. I love the color. They did a fantastic job. Packaging cool. You get this little um, like metal card in the yeah. in mm-hmm. the in the package. It kind of explains the story of the product, which I liked. I think I made a bit of a mistake. Uh oh. I think I would have preferred the short to the standard. Oh, what did you get? So I got the there's standard. There's three sizes. There's three mm-hmm. sizes, right? So standard is the full actual full size. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then short is the middle size, and yeah. mini is the small size. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the standard is a little too long. Don't disagree with that. I think they've named them poorly. I think mm. it should be long, short, mini. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. long standard mm-hmm. mini. Uh, I, I think that the short doesn't seem like it would be that short, really. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I really like the pen, though. I love the colorway. I'm going to be using yes. it. It's just like a great pen for me to have on a desk because it's got like such a great little mechanism. Yeah. Um, and I just absolutely adore the way it looks. But yeah, yeah. I would recommend if people want to buy this themselves. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, the standard is the long model. So. Tactile Turn sent me the Stealth, and I got to pick which one I wanted, mm-hmm. and I opted for the Standard, which is the one that you have now, the long one. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. When I went to buy my own GT one, I chose the whatever the middle one is. Short. The short one, and it I prefer it as well. Yeah. Okay. So that's my long way of saying I agree with you. The issue, not the issue, the difference between them is the big one, the standard, takes the full-size gel ink refills like your G2 Mm -hmm. compatible. So that's what I wanted first so I could put in a blue-black juice refill in the Stealth. Perfect. But when I went to order one, I didn't want another one that size. And the short uses the Parker-style refills. So I swapped in a Jetstream refill, the Jetstream SXR-07. So that's your difference. It's So the barrel determines the types of refills you can fit in there standardly. You can always right. hack things and do other things, but just for the standards. And then the mini one is like I probably won't get a mini because it really only takes the uh, Pilot G2 mini, which is a nice refill, but it only comes in 0.7. And there's not as much hackability to the mini one. So I agree with your assessment of the normal versus the short. Yeah, and this is the thing and where like, the I would convention. prefer, refill-wise, the G2 mm-hmm. over the Schmidt Easy yes. Flow. Yes. So that's the issue. So. Yep. Yep. So I have one of each now, uh, but the one that I paid for myself, I chose the, the middle size just okay. because I thought the the standard was it's you get it gets a little heavy it's a little long um still very very usable but it is a quite different feel from the short mm-hmm. so while, there you while go. we're talking about nice Concur. pens in one of our favorite colorways yeah yeah there's a there was a uh, limited edition <laughs> orange mark one mm-hmm. what'd you think mm-hmm. it's killer it's That's straight amazing, up right yeah it's amazing um I slept on ordering it, and of course they're gone, which oh, which yeah. is fine. I didn't need 
need. I mean, I'm <laughs> I wanted this. Brad, this I wanted is my this pen. Mark one, I think. Yeah. I mean, I've I bought one. I bought one. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I wanted it. Like yeah. I hovered and clicked and, and and thought about it, and then I was like, let me just wait. Like I don't need to just like, it's eighty dollars, which is mm-hmm. honestly a deal, right? Like I say that as that's cheap right because what did i just pay for this this gt like a hundred and like twice that much probably like 140 150 dollars mm-hmm. and like i didn't even blink at that 80 is nothing for a pen this quality but i was like do i need it how am i gonna use this i'm trying to be have some restraint yeah in the catch them all type of stuff which i talk about all the time so yeah i just i saw it i drooled i said this is perfect and i passed and like I'm okay with that. Like, yep. I'm okay with that. Not because I didn't want it and don't think it's literally the best one that they've done. It's yeah, just I that I have I have what do I have? The Apollo. I have my Kickstarter one. So yeah, I guess I have two. So I have the Ivory one and I have the Apollo one. And I this would have been my next one, but like it's okay. Like I'm I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I'm covered. But I'm I've jealous got of the it black as one well. and the white one from the original Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. I've got an Apollo. I got the blue one. I have mm-hmm. the Cortex one. And now I've got an orange one coming. That's good. That's a great pen. I mean, this is one of those things where, like, I get to get to see behind the scenes with these guys a lot, right? Because we yeah, yeah, yeah. we work together and stuff, and we we have our show thoroughly considered, which people should check mm-hmm. out if they haven't before. Mm-hmm. And they were asking me, like, knock wise, should they go with the dark one or the silver one? And I was like, oh, silver all the way. This one, yeah. Yeah. And then 100%. I strongly encourage them as well to do more than three hundred. I don't know if it, that was what pushed them uh, to do five hundred, but I was mm-hmm. like. 300 will sell out immediately in this colorway yeah. and 500 yeah. sold out immediately so yep yeah orange is a no-brainer and that's uh, the other reason why i didn't do it is because i also use my ajoto that i made for the pen it's the same refill i can uh, like i love the schmidt p8126 i don't need all the pens with it too so i'm trying to balance things yeah. right so it's like i wanted this but i i held off i held off but but i knew it was gonna go quickly and it did mm-hmm. Um, up next, Mike, <laughs> I, I'm surprised we already have this link in the show notes in relation to just talking about the Twisby Swipe Salmon, uh-huh. but the Twisby Swipe Pear Green is now coming soon. It's the next Twisby Swipe color, and this validates everything I've thought about the swipe as it was really successful upon launch. So now it gets all the colors, Mike. And they are all coming hot and heavy. You know, forget your 580s. Forget your Ecos. This is Twisby's new hotness. They're leaning into the swipe big time. What do you think about that? Have we been over this before? Why do they call it the swipe? I don't think this one we could figure out. Right. It should just be called Twisby Spring. I I like that Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think we've we've discussed it. And I don't know that we've come to a real conclusion. Hey, look. Um, This green. I wonder if Twisby has it on there. I don't really Same. like it, but doesn't matter. Uh, I like that they're doing colors in this pen. It's a great pen, fun pen, uh, great starter pen for people. The more colors they do, the better, in my opinion. It deserves it. It, it, it really yeah. does. Like I talk about when Twisby does this, like I call it a platform pen. Like yeah. when you have the model, like we talked about how the Twisby Go, which we both love, it's not, you can tell by the decisions they make in the future that it's yep. not the leader in the clubhouse, right? Yep. Like the Twisby swipe has gone off um, relative to to the Twisby Go as far as like sales goes. You can just tell 
by what happens next. And right now, the swipe is getting the color treatment. So they've done uh, the salmon. They've done this pear green. They did uh, orange and green also, like a more solid oranges and more solid greens for, uh, it was a Chinese release, I believe it was. Um, at least somewhere in the Asian market. I think it was China. Huh. Um, yeah. So, so I have a guess on what color's next, and I'm going to go ahead and say it on this show. Do you want to take a? Do you want to take a swipe at what color's next, Mike? Um, yellow. That's a good guess. That was on the list. That was actually probably my second guess. I think it's going to be a purple in this more muted color right. with the salmon, the pear green, and more of a lavendery purple. Mm. that's going to be that's going to be my guess so we'll see we'll see probably in about two weeks <laughs> when they release the next color of this hey, that's how they, work, man. they get on these heaters and it's just like non-stop mm-hmm. for them and like i'm okay with it like i'm not gonna buy the salmon i'm not gonna buy the pear green i don't need any of these things i'm very glad they exist because more people should be using this pen and if pear green or salmon is what's going to get them to use it then let hey go for it twisby twisby's doing a good job i i have no no problems with my my friends over there at Twisby. So really, really cool. All right. Next pin, Mike. Just unboxed yesterday on the Twitch stream. And actually, need to see if the uh, the for sale link is live. The Shown Design 10th Anniversary Ballpoint. I can't believe it's been 10 years. No, I since don't believe that. Oh, I, right? Right? That Ian's can't only be true. Well, it can't be true because Ian's only 10, right? Oh, like he didn't make too. these... He's young. He's a young lad. Yeah, but Mike. you know, people that are younger than you don't want to hear you say that. <laughs> I tell you that, right? I haven't been that person. <laughs> so I'll never forget. And I, I wrote about this when I finally reviewed my f- my first uh, shown design ballpoint pen. That the original Kickstarter I passed on because I didn't think the pen was necessarily like perfect for me, like. You know, I really think about, like, I buy a lot of stuff. Like, I don't want to, like, say, like, I have some some form of restraint. I really don't. But I do try to consider, like, hey, if I'm going to buy this, I'm gonna, am I going to use it? And I thought at the time, it's like, well, you know, it's got, you know, uses the, the Fisher Space Pen refill. And I've got a space pen. And I kind of have some other pens that, that are this, like this. And, you know, I thought at the time they were... Um, going to be a little bit heavy right there were you know a lot of brass and i don't know if aluminum was in the part of the first one but then i finally got an aluminum version of it and i think it was maybe like brass and stainless at the beginning i can't remember this is this is terrible content because i should have looked it up beforehand so i finally got an aluminum one um to test and i was like oh this is what i want but now the way ian is manufacturing these brass pens, which I have this 10th anniversary ballpoint in my hand. He, he sent it to me ahead of launch, which is today. We'll put the link in the show notes if uh-huh. it's up. Um, it is lighter than I expect from a pocket brass pen while still having a good heft. Like, I don't even question the weight of this pen when I use it. So what the 10th anniversary ballpoint is, I guess I should explain. It's a little more than a ballpoint and it shows you know the the steps ian has made to to build and improve shown design you know he's into fountain pens now and 
is using different materials than metals and he's he does a lot of really cool experimental stuff and does a lot of really wild anodizing and that's where we first like really went off the deep end you and I at that DC pen show when we bought the Dexter and the Lisa Frank and all these pocket pens with these wild anodized so what this 10th anniversary is is it comes with basically three different front end sections so it's the traditional ballpoint pen shape right so the small pocketable ballpoint pen comes with a ballpoint uh, grip comes with the Schmidt Easy Flow uh, refill, the Parker style refill. That's a really great ballpoint. But then you also get a front end section. You just swap these at the grip section. You just unscrew them. That has a rollerball tip, which is the fountain pen compatible rollerball tip that Schmidt makes. So I've talked about these on the show before. They are a rollerball front end, but the back side of the refill has an international cartridge fitting. So this fits short international cartridges. You just pop them on there. That's what I was most interested in using. It also comes with a fountain pen front end, right? So it's got a concave brass section with a number six size fountain pen nib. So it's got all these different parts. Like he went all out for making this pen and it's all brass materials. And again, just kind of hot swappable sections. I went for the rollerball, Mike, because I have not tested one of these in a while. And in general, this is a very tough sell for a lot of people. In the past, and I don't know what other companies use, but like Kaveco, for example, made a rollerball classic, like the pocketable plastic sport or classic, whatever they called the model. And you just pop in the international cartridge, and it was a bad experience for me, right? The Fountain pen ink and the ball in the rollerball tip were not really compatible as far as smoothness, skipping, all of that stuff. So a lot of people are always looking for these types of pens, and Jay Herbon made one. Mm-hmm. And Jay Herbon. And it was generally poorly received as well. And I don't know who their tip manu- manufacturer was. And this is years ago. And then recently, Monteverde started using this and people started liking them again, saying, hey, these actually work. And I haven't gotten around to testing one of those. You know, it's actually a good experience using a fountain pen ink cartridge and a rollerball tip. So these Schmidt front ends, I've had one sitting at the house for a couple of years that Jonathan Brooks gave me at one time and just never really was compelled to use it. And so this was my opportunity to say, and and Ian sent me this uh, for free at no charge, disclaimer. Um... So I, I, you know, I use Ian's ballpoints and Ian's fountain pens pretty regularly. So like I'm covered on that. This was a newer experience for me. I popped in a Faber-Castell olive green short ink cartridge, short international cartridge in this pen. It writes wonderfully. Like I am, it's one of those ones. I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And I popped it in and go, huh, like that's pretty good. Like it is really smooth. The line is good. It's like a, you know, it's like a 0.7 millimeter line, something like that. Even like there's a couple of different tip sizes. I haven't explored them both. There's a 0.5 and a 0.7. I, they're not marked. I was like trying to inspect them to see if I could tell the difference and even got my loop out to try to see if there was a tip size difference on the front end. It was really, really hard to see. Yeah. Um, But so I just went with whatever this one is. It writes about, I don't know. It's probably between a 0.5 and a 0.7 line. I'll try the other one later. It is shockingly good. Like I'm gonna do a post just to talk about this tip. Um, and who makes much it? Much less uh, Schmidt. It's so a this Schmidt is a one. Sh- okay. it is a Schmidt part that a lot of companies use, 
um, that you can just buy to build around, you know, mm-hmm. just like the, the Schmidt knock that we all dislike, right? Yes. That a lot of companies use. Um, you know, they make other mechanisms and parts for people to use to build things around, right? So this is just like a front end tip and mm-hmm. it has to have, you know, it's, it's not hot swappable with like fountain pen sections and other random things. It has to be built, you know, for the diameters of this little, little part. Um, I, yeah, I am, I am into this. So now I have like a rollerball pen with the fountain pen ink colors. Like we, t- we talk about this from time to time, how people yep. would like that experience and to have something good. Um, I am in like I will be I am compelled to review not just this pin because it's the 10th anniversary pin or because Ian gave it to me and expects me to review it. He does not. He doesn't care. Uh, he's just a nice guy. Um, but I am actually compelled to discuss this Schmidt mechanism because so far it's only one ink and one test. It really works well. And I would be interested to see if it continues to work well um, with other inks, right? There's definitely going to be some question whether, you know, did I just get like the accidentally make the perfect ink selection, right? With the sure. the ink formulation to roll smoothly from the ball tip. Um, but yeah, like I'm thrilled with how this is. And by the way, I get to use it in the really cool shown pen that i have right yeah so like that makes the experience like even better like if it was was just in some random plastic stick you know i don't know that it would be cool as cool or as enjoyable as this but you know this great brass barrel with a you know a great grip section and just cool design and just exquisitely made and uh ian's doing the stamping now um the name stamping on the barrels it's really clean um so congratulations ian yeah amazing Uh, 10 years i cannot believe it that's I know. Also, it's an achievement to have built this business and it still be around for a decade. It's a yep. really special thing. Yeah, well Ian's a Ian's a special cat, and uh, this is just just shows like he he's got what it takes to to make uh, a success out of this business. Um, his, his head's in the right place. His designs are elite, and um, the quality yep. is is phenomenal. And I just can't praise him enough. And uh, all the products that he makes, I'm a super fan. So uh, thank you, Ian, for sending me this. Congrats on your 10th anniversary. And I will, will be talking about this ballpoint, this rollerball tip regularly. So. Uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to put the uh, other the ballpoint and the the fountain pen tips in storage here for a minute while I play with this uh, this rollerball. Who who knew, Mike? Who knew? All right, we've got another sponsor for this week's episode. New sponsor is Topofolio. This is a uh, Kickstarter project. It's called the Topofolio that we're talking about today. It's a tech case designed by a fellow pen addict listener and stationary blogger, Mike Lynn. The folio style case includes magnet, very unique and fun, I think, magnetic inserts. They come in a variety of styles that are designed to help your analog and tech gear all be uh, both interchangeable and neat and orderly. It is designed with input from hundreds of tablet users, and it's made to adapt and carry almost anything you might need in your daily working life. Sketching supplies, a small laptop, maybe your field notes, tablets, all the other accessories, you name it. I think the adaptability of this case is so smart because you could have a bunch of these inserts and they're all set up, ready to go. And depending on what you're going to be doing in a day, you could just grab the ones you need. They magnetically attach within the folio bag case. 
and you're just ready to go. Like, I think this is super cool. Right, Brad? I know that you were really excited about this. We were talking <laughs> about it before the show today. Yeah. So I saw this. So Mike and I don't necessarily, this is behind the scenes. We don't necessarily discuss like all the ads that are no. in there. Mike Mike goes and puts like the details we need in the show notes. I'll write the show doc and then Mike will circle back around and put in the links. And I saw this link in there this morning. I was like, hey, what's this? And I was like, looking at the link and I had found this independently just yesterday or maybe it was Monday because I follow Mike and I follow original original content books in my RSS feeds for all my pin blogs that I talk about and I'm always linking to original content uh, books because you know they they do great reviews product reviews and fun stuff and always do a nice job and he posted about this topo folio and I spent some time looking at this I'm like mm. yeah yeah I like this I'm gonna I'm gonna back this when it comes out and you know, it, it looks like something interesting. You know, I like bags. I like, you know, this type of construction. I like these types of ideas on how things work together. So it's like, yeah, I, I'm totally in for this. And independently from that, by the way, they were sponsoring this show. So I had no idea that these were going to be uh, co-joined, uh, if you will, Mike. But I, I'm i a backer. Yep. I think this is interesting. I like the size. I like the adaptability of the inserts. The each insert kind of has a different purpose. Yep. You know, I think just looking at it, you know, I will have favorite inserts as opposed to like um, you know, like the the standard pen and notebook type of insert as opposed to like to say the 30 pencil insert. But that's the cool part about it is I'll use it my way, mm-hmm. you'll use it your way, and someone else will use it their way. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting piece of the topo folio is that if you're an urban sketcher or something, you load this up with your pencils and paints and your notebooks. Or if you're me going to work at a cafe, I'll load it up with, you know, my iPad and, you know, my journal and then some, some pens, it's pens and notebooks. Right. And Mm -hmm. all I have to do to change these things out is just kind of pop them out like they're magnet type of uh, a folio insert. So it's really cool. I like, um, seeing Mike do this, I like seeing people in the community make things. And I'm, uh, I'm very, very interested in this. So I have backed it myself. So yeah. And, uh, that, that was pretty cool that they chose to advertise on the, on the pen attic. I had no idea. So this was cool to see today. Yeah. Obviously because Mike is a pen addict, you know, there's tons of great, great, well-engineered space for all your favorite pens. You know, it's just yeah. like, you know, you got that taken <laughs> care of. All you got to do is look, look at the product shots of, of these products to know if they're a pen nerd or not Mm -hmm. so in the like hidden in the very top left corner of like the main image is a coom masterpiece which is like a very unique and expensive sharpener there is the uh the james brand um click pen which is the white pen you see in here with the little uh, lanyard attachment so like Mm -hmm. these are the little nerd level high things that that i notice (laughs) when people are doing products and like i really really appreciate that so it's cool uh, the case uses recycled plastic bottle fabric called Reprieve. Uh, this has an exterior slate gray uh, like color and with a bright orange interior. You know, we love orange. Uh, these colors were inspired by perfect sunrises to capture some of this early morning feeling 
into the case design. You can support the Topofolio Kickstarter project right now by going to originalcontentbooks.com slash topofolio. That is originalcontentbooks.com slash topofolio. There'll be a link in the show notes as well, so you can go and check it out for yourself. Our thanks to Topofolio for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, you want to hit some Ask TPA this week? You bet, you bet. The first one comes from Tom, who says, I finally found a fountain pen that plays well with my Field Notes notebook. Uh, a fine nib, Caveco Sport, and I'm using a Midori blue-black cartridge. There's no bleeding, feathering, or anything like that. Is it the pen or the ink that is making the difference? All right, Mike, I have very strong opinions about this topic, as do you. Uh-huh. Do you want my positive spin first or my negative spin first? Give me a negative so we can finish on a high. I don't know what field notes they're using. Very good point. Let's assume it's the standard kind. Because there are way more lying. field notes. <laughs> no, that's not true at all. <laughs> I had I've had great like I've had perfectly acceptable experiences with the regular field notes and fountain pens years i would run it that way (laughs) so my opinion is standard field notes i'm not going to say they're bad for fountain pens i think like tom says you can find a sweet spot that's better but big picture overall percentages and consistency is going to be poor now Tom, you may have found the sweet spot. Um, you're at saying, is it the pen or the ink that makes the difference? And the pen being the nib or the ink, I would lean more towards the ink, but it is a combination of it being a fine nib. But Caveco fine nibs aren't that fine. Um, so no bleeding, no feathering. Is it the pen or the ink? I lean more towards the ink. Um, I have not tested this combination on, on a field notes. Uh, on a standard field notes, my guess, if Tom would be so kind to follow up with me at a later date, if he actually hears this, because we've probably had this question in here for weeks, um, would be, I want to know what edition specifically you're using, because that, my friend, Mike Harley, makes Mm -hmm. the biggest difference. Well, what I would say, my answer to Tom's question uh, is yes and yes, <laughs> right? Like it could be the pen or it could be the ink. Like really the only way to work this out is to do some testing yourself. Yeah. Um, but if you're using a fine nib Caveco Sport, like I reckon that's going to give you a perfectly acceptable um, mm-hmm. uh, like use in a field notes notebook. Brad yeah. might not find it acceptable, but you know. Who well, just for our, our new listeners, this is a hundreds of episodes long debate between Mike and I of field notes usage that I don't use fountain pens in standard field notes paper um, because I don't enjoy the the output of the ink and the nib on the page where mm-hmm. Mike has no issue and no issue. which is also uh, completely valid so like we have this kind of dividing line topic and this has been since the early early days um, and it comes up from time to time so I am anti fountain pen and field notes standard editions caveat and Mike is just go for it and it's really Live your life you perfectly know. fine yeah Luke says, I just moved to a new home, which is exciting, but raises an interesting pen issue. My new home is on well water and is hard water. Will cleaning my pens with hard water damage them? 
Would softened water make a difference? Do I need to start filtering water to clean my pens out? Can I tell you how much I love this question? This is incredible. I mean, I never would have thought know, of this. You know I love every single bit of this question because I have never thought about this topic, no. although we've kind of talked about it generally. Hey, how do I clean my pens? Do I need to buy distilled water? And that's exactly what I would tell uh, Luke to do is at the grocery store next time, buy the big liter bottles of distilled water and clean your pens that way. Use that just specifically as pen cleaning water, you know, um, and you can, you can, you know, hopefully kind of meter your usage so you're not having to constantly buy that type of water and you can re, you know, the water can be inky and you can still clean your pens with like inky water. So like, don't think you have to do like one pen at a time you know, get 10 pins, clean them through there and uh, flush them. But I don't know for a fact that the hard water is going to cause problems. I would think over the long term, it, it would could. not be great. Yeah. Right. Over I mean, the I long term. I live in a hard water area, but it's different mm-hmm. to well water, hard water. Yes. Yeah. So I just think like if you're going to do a quick rinse, like I wouldn't care. Right. If you're going to do like your distilled water, mostly cleaning final rinse with the hard water, you know, the house water, that would be fine. I think just a consistent cleaning with that, I think I would try to avoid um, just for any long-term issues that, that might arise. That would that would be my unscientific take. It just sounds right. So buy, buy those distilled water bottles and use that. This definitely feels like one of those things to me where it's like, I've never considered it, but the fact mm-hmm. that you have had to ask this question is like one of those things where I'm like, you already know the answer because you mm-hmm. asked. That's how I, you know, that's the, like I look at that you ask now. So you have that in the back of your mind. I would recommend considering as pressed, like how relatively easy it would be to just have some of this water in the house that, right. that you could use specifically for this purpose. Like, you know, I'm sure you'd find even other purposes for it similarly. So. Yep. Yep. So I think that's the move. Joe says, I bought Robert Oster yellow sunshine ink and I found it to be too light in most cases. If you have a bright yellow or some other light color ink, how do you use it? You go first. You're a yellow fan, and I'm, yeah. I'm coming around, so I would like to discuss this as well. But I know you've used yellow for a longer period of time than I have. Yeah, so this is what I was... The reason I wanted to talk about this today is because what I wanted to say is, in my experience, I've only ever found one yellow ink, and I've tried a bunch, that I actually like and use regularly. I think I have that uh, Robert Oster, and I find it to be too light. Um, mm-hmm. And it's Sailor Ink Studio 770. Okay. That's the best I've found. Like, it's bright, but still very yellow, Like, and you can read it, and also it has some sh- shade to it. So it gives a little bit more texture to the, the what you're writing, so it makes it mm-hmm. easier to read. For light inks like that, honestly, I don't, I will not use them. Like if I if I get an ink and I consider it to be too light, which means it's too light to really read clearly, that ink doesn't have a use for me anymore. Um, I could imagine if I was like a highlighting person, you know, like you could use those inks to maybe draw around something or you could use it to highlight if with a, with a like a thicker nib fountain pen. Uh, but for me, like that doesn't have a use in my arsenal. I can mm-hmm. light ink like that. Yeah, and one of the regular issues that comes up with yellow fountain pen ink is most of our nice fountain pen papers are cream or ivory color, and that makes it even harder to see the lighter colors, right? Most of the great fountain pen paper 
outside of like Clairefontaine Triumph is not stark white, right? Which helps with readability mm-hmm. for a light ink. So I, like Mike, I used to avoid yellow inks just period until I found a couple that I, I really enjoy. One more than any of them, which is the Pilot 101st Anniversary Hiroshizuku Daiku Koten, which I have a review on the blog. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. I'll find the link afterwards. Um, that changed my mind on the usability of yellow inks because like you were talking about the shading in the one that you prefer, it has this little bit of character that makes it easier to read. The other issue with yellow inks is when you're writing, like right from the nib, they're much harder to read until the ink dries. Yeah, that's right? a good point. So yep. it hurts your it actually hurts your eyes a little bit straining trying to read what you've written. So you have to find something that can that you can read while you're writing and before it dries. And I found that with the Daiku Kuten, it it it's readable as I'm writing and looks even better when it dries. So that's like my go to. Um, Who makes that? Uh, Oroshizuku, Pilot Oroshizuku. Right. So um, the I'll, I'll get it off the uh, blog. We'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. Um, it's it's fantastic. It's ex- that's ink has made me want to try more yellow inks. Like I bought um, Pannonia uh, dandelion. I'm not going to pretend to pronounce the uh, the real name of it, but it's a uh, it's yeah, a yellow, a and one. it's and it's not as nice as the Daikoku tin is. Um, you know, so but I keep experimenting with yellow inks now because. I've actually found something that I enjoy and said, oh, hey, this is cool. Let me try to figure this out. But, you know, something like Yellow Sunrise, it just may be too light. And, you know, there's just, there's some inks that just aren't usable because they just cause too much eye strain. And that might be one of them for Joe. So if you want to stay in that yellow category, check out a couple that we uh, that we mentioned. Have you tried 770? No. It's really good. I would put that on the list, yeah. That's really good. Um, papers, pens, and ink asks... I've been collecting fountain pens for about two years now. I have some that are expensive and some that are inexpensive. But I find that I am enjoying my inexpensive pens, like my Safaris and Twisbees, more than my expensive ones, my Sailors and Platinums. Is this normal or am I an outlier? So if you hear me talk on a regular basis, you will see that you're very normal. While I have several very outrageously expensive pens the pens i use the most are the basics right and it's because you can get really great quality and performance at a reasonable price from a ton of pens that give you just so much enjoyment so much you know confidence in your writing and you know how the pen feels and how the ink works with your notebook and how the nib flows and when you get into, you know, buying a more expensive pen, there's not often a lot of performance difference in those products that with the, the lower tier pens, the, the more expensive entry level type pens. But you're paying for the extras, mm. you know, gold nibs, you know, uh, barrel finishes, Arushi, things like that that change the maybe the feel of the pen or the perception of the pen but it very rarely changes the performance of the pen and how the pen makes you feel when the nib hits the page that's my experience um that's why i tend to like i hey i love 
my Nakayas and I love my Namiki Pilot. Like those are some of my like you know if the house is burning down, those are the pens I'm grabbing. But let me tell you, I thoroughly enjoy like we were talking about the Twisby Swipe earlier. I grab that pen and use it all the time, and I smile when I use it. Like I don't know what more I can ask for than yeah. that. Right. The balance is important. I would say one thing to consider is that maybe you are like treating your expensive pens with kid gloves. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and like you're being maybe being more precious over them because they are expensive, which is perfectly yep. fine to do. But you yep. might be kind of like holding yourself off from letting yourself have fun with them. And yep. my my typical thing is to just just enjoy them. Just yeah, just, I had to learn how to not hold them precious. Yep, and then I enjoyed them more. Yep, right. So that's another reason is that I don't really place that specialness. Like I have to have a special use to use this pen. I was like, you know, I'll just use it anytime, anywhere. Which makes, you know, from a writing perspective, all the pens I like equivalent, right? It's just, hey, have I missed using this Nakaya because, man, it is a piece of art and I love using it and I love how it feels. But I can grab this Twisby swipe and just, like, put a huge smile on my face just as easily. All right, if you would like to send in a question for us to answer on a future episode of the pen addict you can just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskTPA. you can use question mark AskTPA in the relay fm members discord or you can send via email to hello at penaddict.com and penaddict.com is where you'll find the work of brad and his many wonderful contributors writing articles and reviews of all the greatest products that are appearing in the stationary world you can find brad online he's at dowdyism at penaddict and streams three times a week at twitch.tv slash penaddict I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you to Topofolio and Uni for the support of this episode. But as always, and most of all, thank you for listening. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.